what an awesome time during worship just to feel in the presence of the Lord and uh, so cool to sit there sometimes and I try not to look back through the crowd but sometimes I can't help myself and uh, just uh, watching people worship and some of you that's just been coming for a little while and to the bridge and and watching you enter into the presence of the Lord and uh, it's just awesome to see as a pastor uh, people freely openly worshiping and not concerned about what people think about them but just open their heart raising their hands lifting their voice and worshiping a God that's worthy of our praise and I'm talking about you Jessica it's awesome getting to watch that uh, just <laughs> yeah I, I love seeing it and it's just so awesome because I it takes me back to when I was first saved and how that um, during those early years of my salvation when I first become saved uh, just the freedom in that worship in that state in my life uh, brought me through many things and it never gets old I promise you this the longer you go through your Christianity and the farther you go uh, the more real and the more pure it gets, and it's just awesome to always go back to that and know that he's there with you and that he's worthy of our praise. So we, we love you. Uh, the ones watching online are several sick, and uh, we've got a few in the hospital and different things. And uh, pray for Reagan. Uh, she's in the hospital today, uh, and I know Beth's probably watching, and uh, we need to pray for them that they find out what's going on with her. And uh, Sandy uh, is in the hospital as well, and pray for her and many others. There's just multiple people that we have uh, going through some things and facing some things. And we know that God answers prayer. Amen? He hears the prayer of his people, and he loves us unconditionally, and he's there for us. And we need to pray for healing because that's what he instructed us through through his word. Um, this is week five of our Generational Gaps series. We spent four weeks thus far uh, leading up through uh, looking back at some things uh, through uh, the old end of the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 4, uh, verses 5 and 6. And it said, Behold, I will send you, this is God's promise to a, to a prophet telling him what would come to pass. And he said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Everybody say, I don't like cur being cursed, especially by God. Amen. You can curse me if you want to. I could probably live through that. But if God cusses me, it's going to be a bad day. Amen. And that's what he's saying here, that if we do not, bridge gaps between generations, God's curse comes upon us. That is a weighty thing. And I know as I've been preaching the last several weeks, we've been kind of a shotgun approach and just shooting it from a lot of different directions ever since Easter. And I understand that. I know that this is a lot to take in. But I want to dial in as we begin to land the plane. we got this week and next week so that we can get to the heart of the matter, so that we can see true transformation in how we live our lives. That it's not just words that we hear, but it's action in our feet, in our hands, in our mouth, 
in our heart and in our mind. Amen. How many is ready to move to what God has for us to do? Amen. I do not want to be cursed, and especially by God. So we've been looking at this promise through the Old Testament. Malachi, the prophet, is saying that uh, there is one coming, and he's going to be coming in the spirit of Elijah, the prophet, and whenever he comes, that this is going to happen, that God is going to bridge generations. So as we've been looking through that, we know that through the New Testament that Jesus said himself that John the Baptist was, in fact, the one who was to come, who was John the Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, that was going to do this bridging. How many knows whenever you're called, you're not popular? Come on, somebody. When you've got a calling on your life and you know that there's a reason that you're doing what you're doing and you're doing it for God, you are not going to be popular. Amen. It's a life that we must live and it's a life that we can read through the New Testament and see that all these different individuals that we, that we see that's talked about in the New Testament that was a people that had red blood flowing through their veins that got a call from God and went on to live that calling out. They were not popular. They might have been popular in the fact that everybody hated them, but Jesus said, they hate me and they're going to hate you. Amen? It's just the way it is. And I don't want to be hated. I don't like being hated. I don't ask to be hated. But it is a product of becoming a Christian. That's not easy. And these generational gaps, whenever we come into a church, it should be different here. Amen? The life that we live once we become a Christian should be different. And I'm not saying perfection. I'm saying that we strive to live out the purposes of God. So as this happens, I want you to know that we're living in a legalistic world. Amen? It's full of sin, murder, hate, divisions. It's what the world has to offer because the world is the devil's. Amen? We're in a kingdom that's not of this world. Jesus said, I've come to build a kingdom. It ain't a kingdom in this world. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. And as he spoke the truths that he spoke, he wasn't very popular other than that a lot of people hated him. He started out feeding 5,000, 3,000 with wives and kids, all these different things. And a lot of people was coming at his initial words. But the farther he went, the more he preached, the more people hated him. We talked about that. So John the Baptist is who we're looking at in this spirit of Elijah that God was sending to bridge Gaps between generations. It's going to be a little bit gruesome in here today. There's some gruesome stories in the Bible. You don't have to read some novels to see some things that's pretty wild when you think about it. Matthew chapter 14. I want us to look at these verses talking about John the Baptist. And this is the conclusion of John the Baptist's life. Matthew chapter 14 verse 1. At that time, Herod, the patriarch, heard the reports about Jesus. We know about Herod when Jesus was born, right? Herod, Herod the Great, these are, all these Herods are coming down through. This is Herod the patriarch. He heard about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. This is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now, Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias his brother Philip's wife. 
For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Everybody say there's a God's law. <laughs> and it's truth. It's not very popular. Amen. So John the Baptist was calling out Herod for taking Philip's wife. You can't do that. Verse 5, I love this. Herod wanted to kill John. You know those people want to kill you? They hate you so bad that they would rather you be dead. Hopefully it's not your kids. But Herod wanted to kill John. Does that sound very godly to you? Jesus come and told us to love our brothers and our sisters. To love our neighbor as ourself. Amen. And he even went farther than that and said, love those who persecute you. Who revile and they, they, they despise you. Love them anyway. In spite of, no matter what. Love is not easy. Herod wanted to kill John because John was telling him the truth. But he was afraid of the people. <laughs> Isn't that like politicians? Uh-oh. <laughs> he wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people. Because they considered John a prophet. Verse 6. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised an oath to give her whatsoever she asked. Prompted, her, prompted by her mother, she said, Give me on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Be careful of your words. Be careful of what you say. Because sometimes consequences will come that you don't even want to happen. So Herod, in the heat of the moment, with his emotions running high, oh, I'm going to prove to the whole community and I'm going to show them how much I love my woman's daughter. And he tells this little girl, because she's dancing, you can have whatever you want, up to the half of the bar. You can have whatever you want. Name it. Name your price. Little girl don't even know what to ask for. She goes over to mom. Mom, what, what should I want? The mom hated John the Baptist because he was saying, you can't live with that man. But not very popular. So as this happens, the little girl comes up to the king, tells him, I'd like to have John the Baptist's head on a platter. Bible says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. So as we speak words and we think thoughts, we need to be very careful. Herod was not a godly man. His words mattered. He didn't understand it, but consequences came of it. Verse 9, look at this. The king was distressed because of his oaths and his dinner guest. He was distressed about it. He didn't like it. He didn't want to do it. But he knew that he'd already said it. Then it says he ordered that her request be granted. 
And he had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. How gruesome, how cruel, how ungodly is it for an adult to tell their kid, go and ask because you can get whatever you want. Go and ask for the head of another human on a platter. And it comes to pass. And you, can you imagine this little girl seeing a beheaded man on a platter and carrying it to her mother? That's pretty gruesome. We are in a sin-stricken world. And sometimes it may not get that ugly or that bad or that graphic. But it's still the same. Sometimes, as parents, grandparents, adults, our words are carried out by the next generation. Be very, very, very careful. Having people like Dusty and Albie to come and lead youth group on Sunday nights here at the church is very, very, very important. Having them with teachers back here in the rooms, in the nursery, and in the clubhouse this morning is very, very, very important. Because the kids are getting, in this world, in this generation that we're living in with the media and with the technology and everything that's going on and with all these different uh, things being poured into their lives, these words matter. So we get, and they tell me to hurry up and don't preach too long, you know, because the kids' attention span's a little bit slow. You know, they, you got about five minutes with them or something like that, so i got to hurry, right? But you get them back there in the class, and it's like, oh, man, we got them here at the church, and now let's hurry up and get through church so we can get back out there. So we get about 45 minutes of their time, literally, on Sundays, to offset 168 other hours. That's not very equal. As a church, we're fighting an uphill battle. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we can't do that alone. Teachers can't do that alone. The preacher can't do that. The youth pastor can't do that. The student leaders can't do that. It's up to the adults, the Parents, the grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever you are in this room, you've got to do your part. This mom was off her rocker asking for this type of thing from a kid. We have to be careful. So as I thought about that and thought about how gruesome and brutal and ugly and just awful that is for John the Baptist, the one that God prophesied through the Old Testament prophet that we looked at. This is going to be the guy that I am going to send. And he's going to bridge. He's going to bridge hearts of fathers to kids and kids to fathers. And the world took a sword and cut his head off and put it on a platter. Verse 12, John's disciples came and took the body and buried it. 
Can you imagine how heartbroken they was? To see the one that they loved, that they followed, that they cherished, that they loved hearing his messages and his sermons. They loved watching him baptize people in the River Jordan. They loved seeing this happen. But can you imagine his disciples, the hurt in their heart that they felt? Somebody they cherished being treated so wrong. And it says they come and they told Jesus. Let me tell you who you need to run to. When this world lets you down, you run into the loving arms of Jesus and watch and see if his presence isn't real and transmitted into your heart and causes a change to happen. They ran to Jesus, and that's who they needed to run to. That's who you need to run to. And in these generational decisions that we're making, and we see the world falling apart, and we see the world going to hell in a handbasket, the church needs to run to Jesus. That's what he sent John the Baptist for, to turn our hearts together, because an older generation that's experienced so much can run to their other generation and say, Grandma, what? tell me about the good old days. Amen. And grandmas can sit down with their kids and say, guess what? I know a loving Jesus. And he brought me out of the miry clay. And he set my feet on the rock to say, and he transformed my life. It's what we need today. I know I didn't do as good as Winona, but I did pretty good. And as I think about this setting at the feet that I'm talking about, it took me back to a place in the Bible that I, I, I remembered and it, come, and it sparked back in my memory to think about this generational gap and how we're going to bridge generations. It has to take actions. Everybody say action. I'm sick of words. Amen. I'm sick of words. I'm sick of people saying I'm going to. I think about someday maybe and some, someday yonder. Let's turn it into words and actions right now. Amen. Do something. Ain't that a song? One of the new songs on K-Love? Do something. It's in one of the... I don't know it. I don't know it. I just, I just hear it out in my garage when I'm working on the race car, and I hear them on the... I, don't, I, can't, I can't do music, so I don't know anything. I wish they would do something or something. Dusty, you know the song shortly. It's on K-Love. Everybody here is listening to K-Love. I think it's where it says that I wish he would do something. It's a song that talks about you need to do something. There you go. Now it's coming around. Yeah, we're good. So Acts chapter 5. I'm going to read quite a bit of verses here, but I've still got plenty of time. Hey, it's only 11-11. I've got, I got a little bit of time. Good. So let's turn gaps into opportunities. That's what I'm getting ready to talk about. I want us to turn, we're talking about generational gaps. I want us to turn that into generational opportunities. That we quit looking at the negative and go to the positive. Gap is a negative, opportunity is a positive. We need to be a voice of reason because it will transform a next generation. So as we read these verses, think about that, that we're going to turn gaps into opportunities. Acts 5.32 Acts 5, verse 32. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, 
who is given by God to those who obey him. Everybody, likes, everybody say, I'd like to have some of that. Amen. Holy Spirit. The third part of the Trinity of God coming within you. He is given to those who obey him. Amen. He likes obedience better than sacrifice. You can come and put money in the in plate every week. You can attend church. You, you can do all these things that's sacrificial in, in your life. God loves those things. But he loves more than that, obedience. Meaning, I want to do something. Right. Amen? When he asks you, go down the street, love your neighbor, go over there and take care of Sister Gillicuddy, whoever it is, go do something. He wants you to go do it. It's opportunity. So, as we see this, when they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. Kind of resembles the story we just talked about, don't it? In a world that loves to kill. It's still here. When they heard that the Holy Spirit was given to those who obey him, when they heard this story in Acts 5, were witnesses of these things. Verse 34, but one member, everybody say one member. I wish the church had one member. Amen, just one. I'd I just like to have one. We, we'd be in good shape if we had one. Verse 34, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law, and respected by all the people. It's my kind of guy right here. Was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people. Stood up. I can tell you here today, when you stand up, others notice. We need to take a stand for the gospel of Jesus. We need to take a stand for grace and mercy and love and all the fruit of the Spirit that he tells us about. But one member standing up made a difference in this situation. The, the world was ready to kill what they just said in this previous verse, but one stood up. I'm asking you today to stand up. Make a difference in the world you're living in. Break down generational gaps. Turn them into opportunities. Think positive thoughts. Do the things. Think on these things, the pure things. Think about this. Stood up and ordered that the men be set outside the council chamber for a while. So in the heat of the moment, they're arguing they're basically in a session of court, and they're getting ready to kill these people for being witnesses. Peter and them, they'd been preaching too much, and the world didn't like it. They brought them into court and said, you can't. And they hated it so bad that they was preaching Jesus, they was ready to kill them for it. But this one stood up. We need some people standing up for the good news of Jesus Christ in this world that we're living in. So sent outside the chamber for a while. So can you imagine Peter and them, uh, the, 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 uh, the apostles, the, being set outside. So their case is being heard, but they're not even allowed to sit in the courtroom to hear what's going on. But there's one person standing up for them on the inside. And he's one that told them, go ahead and put them out of here for a minute. Let's have a little discussion and a talk because i got to talk to you folks. i got to tell you guys some things. So as this has happened, verse 35. Then he said to his colleagues, this man standing up, to his colleagues, people of his equal. Men of Israel, take care of what you're planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow Thaddeus who pretended to be someone great. And about 400 others joined him, but he was, but he was killed. And all his followers went their various way. The whole movement came to nothing. 
Verse 37, after him at that time of the census. This is about the time Jesus was born, right? The census, you know the story. There was a Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him but was killed too. And all his followers were scattered. Verse 38, listen to this. Words of reason. Words of reason. So my advice is leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You must find yourselves fighting against God. This is a Jewish Pharisee, a teacher of the law, describing and telling these other counterparts of his, let it go, man. You don't have to kill everybody that don't believe like you. You don't have to kill everybody because they don't look like you. You don't have to kill everybody because they're from a new generation than you. Sit down, shut up is what he said. I'm standing up to tell you to sit down and shut up. Why? Because the world wants to kill, steal, and destroy because their master tells them to do so. Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. How we would like the abundant life. Amen. The life where Jesus is living through me and I know I'm walking in purpose. I know I'm making a difference. I know my voice is being heard. I know I'm saying things that is, is moving on people's hearts. Why? Because God is speaking through me. He lives through us. I love this man's advice. You can try to do it, but if God's in it, you better leave it alone. Amen. Let me tell you something out there, world. You can try to fight against this thing known as the church of Jesus Christ, but he said it's going to be here, and he loves it as his wife, as his own, and he's going to take care of it. He said the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. Do we believe that in this house today? Do I trust and obey him and say, yes, I know he's with me? Gamaliel had some wise, wise words of reason. I hope and pray that we as the bridge people are known as people of reason. As people of calm in the midst of storms. In a community that wants to kill, to tear down, and tear apart, and divide, and say all these destructive things about this God-forsaken place we live. Betty, <laughs> uh-oh. She told you guys a few weeks ago about it. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. God loves our county. God loves our region. God loves our neighborhoods. God loves our state. God loves our world. Do we believe that to be true? I do. There you go. I got an amen corner. I love it. Sister Betty, mom considers her a spiritual parent. Mom says all the time, my spiritual mother, Betty, you need some of those in your life. Amen? Amen? You better be getting you somebody in your life that you can call on when you're in the middle of a storm. Verse 40, I love this. The others accepted his advice. That's making a difference, isn't it? People that wanted to kill because this one man stood up now accepted his advice. And they called the apostles and they had them flogged. That's bad enough. Flogging then was not like flogging today. It wasn't just, oh, here are my feelings. 
They said that about me on Facebook, and then they went on Instagram too and shared pictures. And oh my, I just I got flogged today. No, they beat these people. It was rough. I'm not saying that those things are not rough because words hurt. Amen. And it shouldn't be. Bullying shouldn't happen. I'm not advocating for it. I'm advocating against it. And as Christian people, we should be the first to stand up and say, this is not right. Let's be a voice of reason in the midst of a world that's trying to hurt. Verse 41, the apostles left the high school. What? I read that wrong. Sorry. The apostles left the high council. They left high school. John, <laughs> John was the first one to laugh. Why did you laugh, John? Come on, man. Yeah. At least he's paying attention, I guess. So, so the apostles left high school. That's basically what they was doing. You know, it was in high school. A bunch of people fighting and carrying on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rita thought we were still in high school. She'd watched it four weeks in a row. I bet she got it. I bet she got it. I love you, Rita. She's watching right now. I love it. I love it. We're live and in person. Amen. And every day in the temple and from the house to house, they continued to teach and preach the message, Jesus is the Messiah. They had got flogged, but they carried on, taking up their cross daily and following after God's purpose in their life and saying, Jesus is the Messiah. And the Messiah means the Savior of the world. The means the one that carried the sin and burden of all humanity upon his shoulders, hung upon a cross, died a, a miserable death, laid in a tomb for three days, come out victorious over death, hell, and the grave, and now is forever sitting on the right hand of his heavenly Father. Amen. It's a glorious thing that we're talking about. When we speak these words, this is what it means. Jesus is the Messiah. I hope you can pray that you're doing those same things. So as I say that, I want you, now I'm finally to my text. It's 11.22. i got eight more minutes. We're good. Acts 22. So jump forward just a little bit more. Acts 22, verse 1. Brothers, this is Apostle Paul speaking here. Brothers and esteemed fathers. He's speaking to an elderly bunch of people. Brothers and esteemed fathers. Paul said, listen to me. He's standing up now. This is awesome. I love this. He's standing up because he knew how to stand up because somebody else had told him how to stand up. Paul said, listen to me, and I'll offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city of Sicily, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. Hear me. He sat at the feet and studied this guy we just heard about. This is years later. Years and years and years later. And here he is following through what he had learned from somebody else. And if you think generational opportunities are not there, you're full of hogwash. I'll tell you right now, is that, is that possible? Can you? Be, yeah, I think so. Hogwash. It's, it's dirty, nasty. If you don't believe me, go out somewhere whenever they're killing a hog sometime and watch them wash it. It's pretty nasty. We have to believe that this isn't a gap. It's an opportunity. I believe the spirit of Elijah can come upon a generation. Amen? I believe that the spirit of Elijah, if that's God's will... Leaving the Old Testament, coming to the New Testament. I believe that he puts his spirit upon us if we'll ask. Amen. 
If we will in this room today decide, God, I desire to have the spirit of what the world wanted to behead and put on a platter. Give me the spirit of Elijah that will turn generations to you, that will change my family from this generation and next generation and generations deep. Let them come to know you as their Savior. I know I grew up in hell. I knew I grew up in a home that was rattled and, and dismantled and all these things. But what about what if God... Paul knew these things. I love that. I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under the feet of Gamaliel. I hope and pray that these little kids that's getting these lessons back there in nursery today, and I know it's not a babysitting service. Those teachers back there pray over your kids. They love your kids. They teach them it might just be one little word, but guess what? One word matters. And as they're doing this, I'm telling you, we're shifting generations as we do these things. It's important as a church. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you are today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, the way. Hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, throwing them in prison. He was brought up under the feet of this Gamaliel, and he heard these words of how to stand up. He learned that lesson, but the lesson he didn't learn was the voice of reason, and he went on doing what he heard. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. And I can tell you this. I I took a, a class a few years ago, and they was talking about how that communication. Communication is hard. And they was trying to teach us how to communicate more effectively. And I, it was for my job. It wasn't really Christian-based stuff, but it was true nonetheless. So as I was listening to these things, and they was talking about how to communicate effectively, they said that there, in, in communication that there is a, a person that is trying to communicate, and then there's a person that should be listening. But they talked about how that there's a cloud had all these things. They drew a cloud in the center of these two people, and as this cloud was here, there's all these thoughts and all these things and all these different words. And, and, and the person speaking has to speak through the cloud to the person receiving. But it's really hard to hear what the person's saying because all these thoughts are going on. And it's telling us how most generally people, as I'm trying to communicate, you're sitting there and, and you may be, you know, 10 minutes ago thinking, wow, Pastor Ben, he was hollering there for a minute. That's a cloud, right? It's, it's in between what I'm saying right now and what I said back then. It's, it's clouding what I'm saying. It's true in your workplace, right, Dennis? You can walk up to Ryan and say, Ryan, I need you to clean the break room today and the trailer and all this. And, but in the cloud somewhere, he's, he's thinking about what you're going to buy him for dan- dinner that day or lunch. You know, <laughs> Breakfast wasn't good enough. I, I need some lunch, right? Okay, so there's a cloud there, right? It's hard to communicate. Amen. It happened right here. Gamaliel was trying to communicate to Paul, but Paul wasn't listening. Listen to what he's bragging about. I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding them to death. He stood, we know the story of Stephen. He, he stood and held the coats and said, throw stones and kill that guy. He don't believe like me. He's got a different doctrine. They killed Stephen while Paul stood and watched. And here he is telling about it. I hounded some to death. He did. Arresting both men and women. Throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. 
for I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from there to Jerusalem in chains to be bound and punished. He was commissioned by the leaders that Gamaliel was trying to teach to go gather up these Christians, bring them back because we want to kill some. They're bloodthirsty. They can't wait to kill you. I love this. Verse 6. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. A very bright light. You want to know how to get out of your darkness? Turn the lights on. Amen. And I know the light of the world. Amen. I know the light of the world. He told us that he was that light sent into the world, the dark world that we're living in, to transform all of humanity after his life. And his name is Jesus. He's the light and salvation that we are under today. Amen. Amen. Bring me out of darkness, God. Bring me into your marvelous light. We need to pray these prayers. And as he said this, that the bright light shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I ask. It's pretty sad whenever the bright light comes and you don't even know him. Amen. Amen. Where Jesus comes knocking on your heart and you're like, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, right? He knows who he is. So who, who are you? Who, who, who are you? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. You know, when the world persecutes us, they're not just persecuting us. They're persecuting Jesus. You know what that does? That puts them in the opposite camp. Amen? How many knows you can't fight against God? That's what Gamaliel taught. Gamaliel was teaching his fellow brother. He said, just sit down and shut up. There's been others rise up, and if it comes to naught, then it's going to be naught. If it turns out to be something, you're going to be fighting against God. That's what happened. That's the movement that we're in. And, and as Jesus said this, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you're persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. Paul, it's amazing. How to turn gaps into opportunities. I want, I'm, I'm about done. Sit at the feet of people with a voice of reason. Turn off the news. Amen. amen. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. There needs to be some amens. I got one in here. Turn off the news. Amen. And set at the feet yeah. of people with reason. Amen. Godly reason. Verse 2. Listen. Not just with your filtered ears. But truly open your ears and say, God, teach me your ways. Because we know the book of Revelation says this, he with an ear to hear, let him hear. Because you got two ears doesn't mean you listen. He that's got an ear to hear, let him hear what God is saying to the church. And I believe God is speaking to us right now. You online, you're not hiding. God is right there with you wherever you're at sitting in a hospital today, I promise you this, that Jesus, the Son of the living God, is there with you. Listen. Live a life that is filled with grace, not just for you, but have even more grace for others.
you would, I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head if you will. Nobody looking around. Don't worry about your neighbor. I just want you to evaluate your own life right now. And hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today. He may be dealing with your brother or sister that's sitting next to you in a whole different way. Open your ears and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today. Maybe he's telling you, quit being a bully. Maybe he's telling you, quit hating people. Maybe he's speaking and saying, quit being envious of others. Maybe he's saying, quit persecuting my church. Sing that, Leslie. Just keep your head bowed. Your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. I just want you to lift your hands if that's you today that God's speaking to you and he's asking you to turn your eyes to him. Maybe you need to be saved in this place today. Just, just go ahead and lift your hands. Say, I need to be saved. Maybe you're listening to his Holy Spirit right now saying, turn, turn from your ways and come unto me. Maybe you're heavy burdened with things of this world that just the weight of the world's been on your shoulders lately and today. You just need those burdens lifted. And he's saying, come unto me. Come unto me, all that you're heavy laden and burdened. And I will give you rest for your souls. If you need rest, raise your hand. And there's some of you in here just need to praise him for what he's brought you from. So just lift up your hands if he's, if he's worthy of your praise. If he's worthy. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Father, I pray over your saints today. God, let us be people of a voice of reason. God, I pray today that you would allow us to be a generation that cries out, God, with a voice as one in the wilderness, that people would come to know you, God, the way John the Baptist did. God, that we would turn our way, our hearts to you. God, that we would follow after your ways. And God, we would seek your face while you may be found. And God, that we would be ones that would speak voice of reasons like Gamaliel and the stories that we read today, God. Help us to be like him, to cause people to just calm down, chill out. Help us to be your people, God, that are not full of hate and envy and strife and bitterness, 
But God, give us the fruit of your spirit that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, godness, gentleness, meekness, all these things, God, the fruit of the spirit. Help us to have self-control, oh God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My final call to you today is this. I want everybody in this room, if you can at all, I want, I want you to do this for me this week. Because we're going to bring this thing, this plane's going to come landing next week with the generational gaps. And I, I need your help. Will you help me? Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Ben. All right. I, I, I accept that now. And I, I'm asking something of you. I, not just not just a few. I would like a lot, if not all, people to do this. I want you to find somebody this week before next Sunday, and the sooner the better. So if you can do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, would be great. Find somebody that's 20, 40, 60, 80 years older than you. And help them with something they need. Everybody say, that sounds simple. That sounds wonderful, don't it? I'm sure that Rita would love a gift from somebody in this room. I'm, I'm sure that Sister Rose would love a gift from somebody in this room. I'm sure Sister Joanne and just a conversation would be if nothing to help them with something they need. And if you've never done it, I promise you this. If you, if you will call Sister Joanne and she says, yeah, I'll need a gallon of milk this week. I'll probably need one Tuesday. And you go down to the store and you get that gallon of milk and you take over and talk to her on her porch just for a minute. Do social distancing. Don't barge in on her. Don't do all that. Just do what she asked you to do. I promise you this. You're going to be connecting generations. Amen. And the second you do that, in obedience, to what God is asking us to do, I promise you, she's going to stand on that porch and she's going to brag on Jesus. And what you get in return for that gallon of milk is immeasurable. It's worth more than anything. And what you got to do is listen to their stories. So Earl, somebody 20, 40, 60, 80 years older than you. How old are you? 40. So you got to find somebody 100. I know a 100-year-old guy. He's my friend, and I love listening to his stories. I, when he goes to talking, I shut up, I promise you, and I try to turn the filters off so that I can hear through that cloud what he's saying to me. Not everybody can find a 100-year-old. I understand it. Do the best you can. And whatever you do, not for publication, bragging on what you're doing, but I want you to do this. I want you to video it, and I want you to upload it to your Facebook if you've got one. And I want you to brag on Jesus on your post of how he's causing you to do something you're uncomfortable with. Not comfort zone. Amen. It's not comfortable to brag on Jesus publicly. But I promise you this, this message by next Sunday, you're going to come in this house and you're going to feel something totally different. Because there's going to be a room full of believers that did obedience to Jesus and heard his words and did something with it. And whenever we do that, I'm gonna, I want us to compile this up. And Andrea and, and Brittany and all, Tuber and all of them, 
Leslie calls her Tuber. Her name's Tabor. We'll put all of it together. And we, I want to make a good video for our church of how this sermon series. I know we've been through primal human race. I know we've been through love is and love is not. I know we've been through the Sermon on the Mount. I know we've had these sermons. I want us to do this for our church so we can remember what God did. Turn the hearts to the fathers, to the children, and the children to the fathers. Let's do this for Jesus. If you can, do it. If you don't have Facebook, you can text it to me. Text me the video. Uh, text Leslie. Text Dusty, Albie, um, Andrew, Brittany, any of us that you got a number for. If you don't have a number, we'll get it to you. Um, but we want you to love God, love people this week in a real tangible way. And let's watch this video next week. It's going to be awesome. You're dismissed. <laughs>